Maury Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. It's Schumacher! It's Schumacher! about it, stick it on and send him out. Well, this has blown it for Irvine, blown it for Ferrari. I don't know what's happened. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is here. We have Formula One to discuss today. Austrian Grand Prix Round 1 recap. I am not going to try to speak German again. And then we will preview Round 2 there. Oh, I don't know about you, Matt, but definitely one of the less exciting races we've had this year. I think it had some captivating parts, but I think it lacked a certain something. I don't know what that would be, but it kind of lacked the it factor that would make it like a great race. Yeah, it, listen, it, it's not the worst race ever, and not every race is going to be a barn burner or something crazy happening. So that's that's okay. It's still a cool track to to watch, but I don't where do you where do you want to start with this this one? Actually, let let's start with this. So the Mercedes keeps alleging that Red Bull is you know they they're doing all these engine upgrades that technically aren't allowed cuz the engine upgrades are, are pretty minimal if zero during the uh season. Red Bull says we've just got a better rear ring than Mercedes and then Mercedes says we're not doing any more upgrades this year. Toto Wolf kind of walked that one back already. So after one round in Austria, which side is more believable, Red Bull or Mercedes? I don't trust Mercedes as far as I can throw them. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that maybe Red Bull isn't up to some sinister shit, but I don't know. I think it's just a bunch of politicking. And I, I'm well, one thing I want to discuss with you maybe later on, but kind of we can kind of segue to that. But Mercedes said they weren't going to upgrade the car. And then Red Bull came out and they said they were shocked that they weren't going to upgrade the car. But now apparently Mercedes is going to be bringing upgrades. Arrow and I can't remember what other area they're focusing on. But apparently they're bringing more upgrades now. Which goes against everything they've told us. So I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just feel like I can't trust Mercedes. I think they're playing, you know, poor sport or whatever. And, you know, for the first time in eight years it's not going their way. So I don't know. I tend to be on Christian Horner's side in this situation. Yeah, listen, Christian Horner has done plenty of politicking and complaining in in the years of Mercedes dominance, but I mean, this year Mercedes is getting flat out beat and it seems like they just can't accept that. And I don't I don't really have too much else to add other than what you you said. I I they say during the after right after the race, oh man, I don't know if we have an upgrade. Lewis says, I hope we have an upgrade. And then come today, Tuesday, I think earlier today, it might have been Total Wolf says, actually, we've we've got some stuff we're working on. No, it wasn't Total Wolf. It was somebody somebody right below him. I I think either way, they're kind was of that the tire changer. 
Yeah. <laughs> who's who's <laughs> below Tony? Everybody's. Every, everybody. That's a good point. Uh, the, the guy, the uh, James James Allison. I don't know why that name is coming to my head right now, but anyway, back to the actual race itself. Outside of Botas making up positions during the race, which is mind blowing. What stood out to you, good and bad, this week or last weekend? Well, can we talk about how Botas had to make up positions because of a certain thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start there. What did you think of the penalty call? I mean, well, first of all, glad everybody's okay because it's not a joking matter when, you know, people are in danger in the pits. Uh, So glad he didn't run it into anybody, first and foremost. But you can't help but laugh, like, after the fact, knowing that nothing really happened, that A, he got a penalty, and then B, Netflix is there support or shooting the Drive to Survive series with Mercedes this weekend. So grab your popcorn because that's going to make for a very fascinating feature within the the show. And I can guarantee there's going to be some sort of segue from that incident into announcing George Russell. <laughs> I think you can uh, book that now. I don't know what the rules specifically say. I, I, maybe you've read up on it, but I it might be a little harsh. But at the same time, he is putting people in danger, which is not okay. So it's kind of a clown thing to happen in, at the peak of motorsport. Yeah, I haven't read the rule, but I have read just about every article imaginable on the rule and the ruling directive itself that came out. And it's hard to argue with the penalty being called because you know the, the penalty essentially said it was an unsafe move to do on pit lane. And I don't know how you, how you really argue with that. And if you kind of break it down even further from that. Why on God's green earth are we practicing a new way to launch out of the pit stall in freaking practice? Like that is something you do like in the preseason uh, testing when at the, at the end of the season you're there on practice to get prepared for qualifying and the race I don't think you can learn something magical on a Friday practice where the conditions probably in pit lane and on the track were not representative of what they were the rest of the weekend anyway. So I just don't get the point, but I agree with the penalty. Just judging by the you know, the the little blurb that the FIA puts out when they when they come down with a penalty, you know, they didn't they said, listen, this was really unsafe. Even if McLaren didn't complain to the race, uh, you know, to Michael Massey, they were still going to look into it. So, you know, we can stop any McLaren conspiracy theories, which I think Botas said, oh, other teams are out to always screw you over. Now, maybe you just screwed yourself over here, bro. Well, no, it's never a driver's fault, Mike. Come on. And right. everybody's always kidding? out to get Mercedes. Yeah. Another thing that stood out to me, well, obviously, we got to see kind of another installment of Verstappen versus Hamilton, and I don't know. I think you predicted before the season Verstappen was going to win the title, so good for you. Looking looking pretty good. We got a long season to go, but for uh, scientific reasons that I can't explain, uh, they brought a new diffuser to the first Austrian race. Uh, they took what they brought to Monaco, which had like a gurney flap or something on the diffuser, and they added serrated edges. 
which is better in many scientific and mathematical ways. So that's your way of saying you're not sure how, but it is. <laughs> Move over, Marshall Pruitt. I got this. So, yes, there are people out there who are better explaining this than either of us. I have really tried to read as many articles as I can this year just to educate myself. And essentially it all boils down to when that when the air hits the rear wing, it wants to propel that air downward to create downforce. Science. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I said. Um, yeah, totally. It, it is, I'm just I, helping I, you I out feel here. Like, I feel like half of my life is inspired by Jeremy Clarkson. And he does that all the time on Top Gear. Where he says, pop-up headlamps are better for reasons unknown to man, but they just are better. <laughs> and you know what? Red Bull brings a serrated diffuser to the Austrian Grand Prix and then lead every single lap. I'm going to assume that had something to do with it. It probably helped. It didn't hurt. So, yeah, yeah. science. That's that's kind of just my MO. But George Russell, I can talk about that. How sad was uh. that? Qualified 10th, gets to choose his set of tires for free because Yuki Sonoda was a clown in qualifying. And, yeah, what was it? It was a new, I think it was pneumatic pressure, which I didn't even know was a thing anymore. So there we go again. I suck at just kind of all areas of technology in Formula One. But uh, that used to be a, like a 80s and 90s thing where people were retiring from that. Yeah, I honestly kind of forgot about it because it's not something you hear is an issue too often. But when it's an issue, it's a major issue. And it was, you know, I, I was sitting watching the race with, with my dad this weekend. And like, wow, George Russell's up to, was he was up to 7th or 8th? I forget what the he highest was about he eighth, was. Yeah. But he was he was closing in on Ricardo and seventh in the early laps before I guess the pneumatic pressure issue kicked in and on that first pit stop you're going holy shit this is a an 18 second pit stop they really screwed up and then the next lap he's back in the pits and you're going oh no like you just you know at that point there's something majorly wrong and I don't even think they had quite figured it out on the on the broadcast yet I. I wasn't really listening to in-car radio this weekend, so I wasn't listening to when they diagnosed it, but god damn, you feel bad for him. Yeah, but I think uh, optimism is that they get to do this all again this weekend, and hopefully their head whittler has figured it out so they can avoid this problem again. And otherwise, yeah, his pace was looking really good. Qualifying was actually halfway decent. For once, I think it was really funny that yeah. Nicholas Latifi's lap sent shockwaves through the back <laughs> in Q1. <laughs> that was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, I think um, I think we'll we'll see maybe a halfway decent performance from him again this weekend because we get to do it all again. So, oh, and I guess the one other thing we could probably discuss is Leclerc and Gasly. And uh, if yeah. you thought no penalty on the incident in the first lap was good or not good. I don't have an issue with a no penalty being called. It's the first lap. It's the first two corners. Crazy stuff always happens there. It was a little reckless, but there really wasn't too much I think Leclerc could have done because they were essentially three wide 
So it's 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 a tough call, but I think it's one of those racing incidents. It's it's a shame that you know a flat tire for Gasly led to him having to slow down and couldn't control the car, and then he kind of bounced off like every other car in the rear of the field, and and obviously had the suspension damage on one of his tires. I don't even remember which one, but it was. <laughs> I don't know. You know, on close to the same topic. I don't know if I would give Leclerc driver of the day because the only reason he went from the back of the field to the front of the field was because <laughs> of his own mistake. Like, I I know people, you know, just see, oh, he rebounded and he did great. And listen, he did have a hell of a day. He, he did recover very well, but he only recovered very well because he screwed up at the beginning. and Or he had a mistake at the beginning. I don't want to put that much harshness on him. But, yeah, I'm I'm okay with no penalty. Remember when John Scott made the NHL All-Star game? <laughs> we need to kick yeah. fan-voted driver of the day to the sun and not have it be a thing anymore. Max Verstappen led 71 freaking laps and won by 35 seconds, but we're giving it to Charles Leclerc who finished it. And like, yeah, he has some good overtakes. No 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 discredit there. But he put himself in the position to be in the back of the field to begin with. So why would, or even like Norris, P5, Ricardo, I know he had an engine issue, but P13, like Norris is mopping the floor with Ricardo each week. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a driver. He's he's leading Formula 1.5, as they call it, kind of the best of the rest. <laughs> I don't know. I think fan-voted driver. The I mean, there are drivers, Kimi Raikkonen going from 18th to 11th, Sonoda having a solid points a solid day and a points finish. Stroll moving up a couple spots into into eighth. Carlos signs after a rough weekend. The weekend the, the in in France having a solid race. Lando, like you said, Botas moved up a couple of positions and and had a solid race. As much as it pains me to say that, I just feel like there were a lot more deserving characters for that. For sure. So I do have an impromptu, super deep, weird, secret host question that I. Uh-oh. wanted to segue into before we get to our predictions. Yeah. So I will say Nikita Mazepin last off season, <laughs> kind of a scumbag. We've documented that. Yep. We don't really need to spend too much more time on that, but kind of a never forget situation, but let's see how, how things play out. Nikita Mazepin as a driver, kind of a clown. Can't stop spinning is thoroughly being mopped by Schumacher on the tracks, just being rinsed. But, uh, I will say he does have a sense of humor to him. And as I was discussing to the guys in the league last night, it's a his what he's doing on social media is a perfect example of the strategy of if you don't like what people are saying, change the conversation. Which for those out there who may understand that reference and I pretty much love you if you do, is from Mad Men, the TV show. And so Gunther Steiner presented Mazepin with a Maza spin top, a spinning top this weekend. And he put that on social media. And it, it's one of those things that people are like, even if you hate the guy, you're going to sit there and laugh at it. And that's the kind of positive PR that can maybe get some people who hate you to not hate you, question mark. I mean, it's kind of what Ferrucci's been doing, too. It's It's taken him a long time to get some people around, but... There will obviously be people who never forgive, which is how the world works, and we know that. 
anyways, long-winded story to get to my question. So if we have a mocking gift of a Mazaspin to Nikita, what would your mock gift to me be? Oh. Wow. Mock gift to you. Hmm. There's a lot of ways I could take this. But I think well, you can don't hold back if you want to make fun of me. That's fine. I am giving you the floor. You know the problem is I I was put on the spot and totally not expecting this, so I'm I'm literally so caught off guard right now. Like my mind is completely blank. If you want to uh, yeah, let's think on it for a week and then share with the folks next week what your mock gift for me would be. That really yeah. attacks my soul. <laughs> yeah, and I know you have a good sense of humor, so you won't. You won't be too sad. I mean, you kind of have to if you call me old every week. <laughs> what? <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. So anyways, uh, let's get to our picks here. I oh Gasly. That's F. Although, he, he was set up for a good day, I'll say. Uh, you had Sonoda, 10th. Definitely was going to finish Gasly if things panned out. Uh, he only freaked out on the radio like four times this weekend. So, <laughs> uh, bad. I had signs, which was a bad pick. Congrats to Carlos finishing P six. That was a solid effort. You had Fred P nine. Nope. Significantly better no con this weekend. So I'd say on the verge of being an okay, okay race. I'm not sure that was bad. Top yeah. ten. I had Russell. Ah, I was so disappointed. I was really looking smart there for a second. I was I was actually very excited because I want I wanted you to be right on this one. I was okay with taking the L on this one. Okay, well you got Vettel, so you can take the L anyways. And then not yeah. making past Q one, I had Vettel who's fourteenth, so he made it. You had Leclerc who was seventh, so definitely made it. So yeah, but now we got to do this all again. We got this like blueprint right in front of us for the next race. I think the only non. Uh, Who is your driver of the day? Grand Prix slash. Oh yeah, but one second. The only non-Styrian Grand Prix slash. I don't know what other German name this next one. Do we know what this next one's called? <laughs> you, I'll I'll pull have, it up while you're while you're talking. The only really kind of noteworthy news from the last week that wasn't about either race in Austria was the new Russian Grand Prix starting in 2023 at a new venue. It looks infinitely better and they are like i said going there in 2023 they haven't ruled out alternating so they may still swap back from sochi to it's called agora drive this new race i've seen a layout i will say on paper it doesn't look terrible i mean it looks infinitely better than having it in a parking lot like sochi greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? 
I mean really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chicken flag. But you never know. It could be a complete snooze. We just have to wait and see. But I do like the fact that they're hopefully kicking Sochi to the sun because that is just a terrible track. Uh, so that is 2023. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about the potential for a Russian, good new, good new Russian track. I'm excited. The tra- The race promoter also said there is the possibility that they will switch between Sochi and Agora Drive going forward. This It's something that is not, as he said, out of the question right now. So... I hope Sochi is out of the question, but I mean, listen, I think it's one of those things that I'll, I'll, I'll be more excited about when we actually see the cars on track, but it looks promising on paper. And yeah, before, before we start previewing next week, we'll do our driver of the day and then I'll try to butcher my best Austrian slash German pronunciation <laughs> of, of this week's race. Yeah. Driver of the day for me. As I said here and ridiculed the fact that people didn't vote for Max, but sometimes we like to try to highlight some of the others in the field because obviously Max was brilliant. So I'm going to give it to Carlos. I think for me, his drive was almost impeccable, and it sounds like Ferrari still have some issues with the car, so P6 with that, that's a solid effort. I don't know if this has ever been done in the history of driver of the day and F1 side. I'm going to pick a guy who didn't finish in the points in Old man Kimi Raikkonen, he <laughs> had a terrible qualifying, qualified 18th or 19th, and finished 11th, and his only lap down, there were plenty of guys at the rear of the field that were, uh, there's a couple that were two and three laps down, so pretty good effort from, from Kimi, one of his better efforts this year for sure. Your disappointment of Austrian Grand Prix round one. I'm going to take his teammate in Antonio Giovinazzi. I think it was not the best day. I don't recall anything from the broadcast that went afoul for him. So I think it was just, I don't know if it was a pacing or strategy thing or what, but the fact that he outqualified his teammate but then stagnated in 15th even after two retirements. So that was kind of a theoretical 17th then thereabouts. Uh, not the best, not the best day for someone who I value pretty highly against his teammate. It's not often lately I've been able to pick him, but Esteban Ocon, my man, <laughs> qualified seventeenth, finished fourteenth, nowhere to be found versus your your teammate, pretty much all weekend. So Ocon gets the disappointment of the weekend for me, just because kind of like Giovinazzi was just nowhere to be found after a run, a string of. Pretty good races the last four or five races, I would I would guess. But 
Real quick, there's one other thing that came out, I think a couple hours ago. Guan Yu Zhou is going to make his F1 practice debut in FP1 on Friday morning's practice at 5.30 a.m. Eastern time. So pretty cool to see one of the numerous Alpine drivers getting some seat time this weekend. I should say Alpine Academy drivers. I forget whatever they're called. But yeah, this weekend's race. Are you ready? We should have like a drum roll, but I don't have that on the sound. I'm going to start calling you Mr. Is, Butcher. Yeah, that's a good one. That's also well-deserved. The BWT Grosser Price von Osterreich Grand Prix. What was it this last weekend? It was Steiermark. Yeah. Which I, I don't can know what say the a little bit of Irish flair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got that. That's all I got there. And the race time... And qualifying time is literally the same as last weekend. I think 9 a.m. for the qualifying and 9 a.m. for the race, Eastern time. So we don't care about Central time and other time zones. Excuse you. That's what you should give me. I you should notice. give me a clock in Eastern time. That should be your mock gift. <laughs> like I was thinking something more like cookbook related, like cookbook only with things like blue cheese chunk related since you're such a blue cheese fan now. Oh, yeah, is it? But I, I mean... With the whole, like, pronunciations and whatnot, I think when we boil it down yeah. to its essentials, German is basically Gaelic, right? Shit, totally. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally I'm... joking there, but it's the fact that Steidermark could totally be yeah. a funny Irish word of some kind. I could be cussing in Irish right now and just not even know it. I have a question question for you before we move on. Oh, gosh. It's the very, very. It's very a quick one. Max Verstappen's victory burnout. Oh, I was talking to, talk to from Michael Mess. From yeah. I know I I just looked down at my my notes here and and realized it was in the wrong. I had it in the IndyCar notes for later. So you have an issue with it. You have an issue with the FIA saying no more. And you know I I talked about this on Twitter with someone. It's just if you are coming to the line and someone is on your rear wing as you guys race to the finish and then you do that, obviously unsafe, not warranted. There's people on the wall there that could get hurt, etc. So, which I bet in our lifetime is going to get banned. I guarantee at some point they're not going to be allowed to do that anymore. The crews are not going to be allowed to jump on the fence and wave their arms. I'm just waiting for that day. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think uh, if there, it depends on the situation. The lapped car was way behind him. And if I'm Verstappen and Red Bull, I'm telling Massey to go shit in the ocean or something. Like, there's just, <laughs> there's just, it's just like a parent wagging his finger at him, and it's like for something that's not completely warranted. And I, if I were Max, I'd just go, you know, burn the Pirellis down once I get to the start finish line next week when I win. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty silly. I would cross I don't, the I don't finish line. I would just cross the finish line so he Michael Massey has a little bit less of an argument. I don't see the big deal. I think Michael Massey said, listen, Latifi was three seconds behind, even though Max was not on the racing line. It is, uh, again, not you one know, of those Latifi things. You know, Latifi who's going to go all the way to the wall to celebrate with his team for finishing, what, 17th? Yeah, I think he was the third, second to last. He was at seventeen last yeah. month. Three laps down. So yeah, he's he's totally gonna go and follow Verstappen yeah. to the wall. It's just 
Really stupid. I forgot to bring that up. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, anyways, so yes, Guan Yu Zhou debuting for Alpine in FP1. That's a noteworthy headline. And then really the only other thing that I noticed is that the tires will be softer for this race. So that yes. will change strategy ever so slightly, which I do appreciate them doing in these doubleheaders because it would be really boring if it was like the same laps, same conditions, same circumstances. That would just not be fun in my opinion. Um, so if you don't have any thoughts on that, who is going to do good, Mr. I have the entire scoreboard from the last race up in front of me. I actually took it down, ironically. Oh, I totally have it up this episode, so I'm such a hypocrite, but anyways. Yeah, screw you. Yeah, I'm glad they, they changed up the tires. I think that should lead to more people trying a two-stop strategy this weekend so it should be interesting how it works out but we shall see driver who's going to do well this weekend let's give it to well he could he, if you're comparing it to last weekend he couldn't do worse so i'm gonna give it to pierre gasly and i'm going to say oh, i was gonna say sonoda i just can't do it <laughs> do a swap <laughs> That'd be two weeks in a row we picked the same team yeah, I'm going to say that Leclerc doesn't have a failure on lap one and has a good race. So who does bad? I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel. I don't think Austria is made for the Aston Martin cars very well. Uh, for those who can't see at home, Mike's face just went away, so my experience just got a lot better. Oh, I'm going to really say sad. that rare pick, I'm going to say Lando Norris has something go wrong. And it's going to have a bad day. Wow. Who's okay. your Dark Horse Top 10? Dark Horse Top 10. Don't say it. Let's go. Don't say it. No. What do you think? What do you I'm going to, is, you know what? I'm going to go Daniel Ricardo. He's pretty okay. much a Dark Ooh. Horse Top 10 at this point. I'm going to say Russell again. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that. Yeah, if you picked him, it would be toast. And then Dark Horse to get out, or Dark Horse to stay into Q1. So I guess what is the opposite of a dark horse? Bright horse? White horse? <laughs> Bright everybody, horse. Everybody has now turned off this episode and go, you're an idiot. Yeah, probably. Let's, let's uh I I'm just gonna keep picking him and until I'm right, I'm gonna go with Fred. Oh, your face is back. I'm gonna say Danny Rick is not gonna get out. I I've not Rough. have too much faith faith in him right now. I think that's it, right? Yeah, not too much, being that you know, we don't have too much to preview the, the same race two, week, two weeks in a row. Let me ask you this. We'll close out with one final question here. So in IndyCar and NASCAR, when we talk about a doubleheader, it's two races on one weekend. F1 is calling this a triple header when it's three, three weekends in a row. Does that annoy you? Are we just being stupid Americans here? It doesn't annoy me just because the logistical operation behind Formula One. And I guess I don't, I'm assuming teams brought the cars home, like rebuilt them real quick and then brought them back. And because of that, I think the triple header in the sense of what they're talking about just is like talking about the vaunting task of getting the cars home, packing them up real quick, and then bringing them back to another foreign country. So. While it's not all on the same weekend, I can understand how it would be very tough for teams, and therefore they use the word 
triple header as like a euphemism for nightmare. So I get it. Okay. All right. That's I don't fair. know if that's a savage answer that you were looking for, but no, but I, I, re- <laughs> I appreciate that. Anyway, that's all we have. Formula one related this weekend. Again, race 9am Sunday qualifying. I believe is also 9am Sunday. Enjoy guys. Have a lovely weekend of racing. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on.